We like to say every day is a vacay, especially today. Got the founder of Project This Is Me, a coach, and just a hell of a guy, Grant Ziak. What's up, brother? What is up, man? Happy to be here, guys. Hey, we're pumped. We got Chris Hansen, my co-host in Miami. I'm Ryan Alford. I'm in G Vegas. And if you don't know what that is, it's Greenville, South Carolina, one of the fastest small, growing small cities in America. There's a crane on every corner, so we'd like for you to stay away. <laughs> you, you guys are blowing up my hometown. <laughs> but in all serious, we're pumped to have you, Grant. It's been fun following your journey online and getting to know you from afar in both notes and knowing you were coming to the show. And then I guess you hit my radar on social and Chris's. It's been fun, man. Love your energy and everything you're bringing. And who doesn't look an ex-Ohio State Buckeye football player, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, any Michigan player? <laughs> oh, you don't have to go down that road. You guys have like owned Michigan forever. It's took the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it doesn't matter. It's like any good rivalry. You just talk shit back and forth all the time. And it's just whoever, whoever gets bragging rights for the next year. And then whichever team loses, you have to fall back on something. I know. I, but I can't think when I think of all American, though, like guys and like the experience. Playing college football at Ohio State would be like at the top of the list, wouldn't it? Like of the experience. It's yeah, I guess I'm glad to hear you say that because I just always thought I was super biased the way I thought of it. <laughs> I'm like basically it's like me standing on top of a tank with a shotgun in one hand, like a beer in another hand, and eagles sitting on my shoulder with an Ohio State jersey on. Yeah. No, man, it's what I wanted to do my whole life. It's what I wanted to do. And I came from a really small town and we were pretty, pretty awful at football, actually, like as far as the culture of the program. And every year, all four years throughout high school, there's like something that kept me there that because I, I it, not for the sake of wanting to abandon it and just like, screw this, I'm going to go to something else. It was I, I knew I wanted to go play in college. And there was nothing in place. There was no program. We didn't even have game film. There was no kind of recruiting going on. And but every year there was a little something there. Either we got a new coach or all this hope for something new. And it turned out to be like, <clears throat> we went five and 35 throughout my, my whole high school career, which is a lot of fun when you're like sitting in a locker room with all the guys at Ohio state talking about their state championships. They're <laughs> 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 uh, like, man, we won five games. They're like, that's a bad season. I'm like, that was my high school career. We won five games. <laughs> but, it, but it is, it's really cool. Like the perspective that came from it. And then what I got to experience while being at Ohio state, it's one of those things that a lot of people, Going like when I was getting ready to go there, everyone, why don't you go to a smaller school where you're going to play all the time? You're going to do this. And I was like, why would I want to go put in all the same amount of time, energy, and effort to race back to my dorm room to watch the Ohio State game after, mm. after our Saturday game? I was like, I'm not trying to be Scotty Pippen. I'm ready to be Michael Jordan. So I'm done with number two. There you go. And I will oh, say man. this I went to, I grew up a Clemson fan and I'm a Clemson graduate. So it pains me to admit like where I would hold Ohio State is like the all-American. But I also recognize your undergrad's about 80 times larger than ours. We might be somewhat on par the last 15 years in football. But I think the more universal picture of linebacker, defensive line, whatever it is at Ohio State, it's, I think holds in the mind is like the college experience for a football player. It was, it was a blast. It was a blast, and it's definitely served me well afterwards a lot of places. Yeah, I was about to say, how much did it ground your perspective? I would think, I always think this, because I played basketball, should have been through college, blew up my ankle, long story. But the it keeps you out of trouble, and it grounds you in some fitness because you have to 
work out and train and do those things. And I, I would think it, it sets you at least directionally in the right, going in the right way. I think I've, I think I have a very different perspective on this than what a lot of people would say when they come to it is I am so grateful I got to experience it. Otherwise I would spend the rest of my life saying, I would have been thinking it was something completely different than what I got to experience. Mm. And the reason I'm so lighthearted saying is ever speaking on these things, but I think it's super important for people to hear. The reason I'm, I'm soft on it is because I don't ever want to like take the magic away from what somebody like sees or feels with something. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, all this shit is a business. Yeah. It's so much more business. And it's so much less of the idea I had going into it. Work hard, play hard, get out of it what you want. But I'll also be the first to say at the end of the day that it's, <clears throat> maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't good enough to play any significant amount of time. But it with the realization that, cause I was a walk-on. I walked on and at 16 years old, I thought I was like, man, I'm going to be one of these guys that like get asked to graduate high school early and all these things all the way leading up to going into the end of my senior year. My, my guidance counselor was like, what are you going to do next year? What are you doing? Are you going to college? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go play football. <laughs> it was like such a Rudy thing. She's like, have you applied? <laughs> and I was like, what, what's that? So I ended up going to a, a community college for a year and going like staying in your hometown for a year when you want to go play at like the Ohio State University ever in a small town, everybody has shit to say. Never going to happen, all the things. And that actually drove me more than anything. Just because, so what I realized, I didn't realize it until I was 22 in my last season there, that it was not about what I actually did while I was there. It was to make the team. It was to show that you can do it, like you can get there. And of course, like I wanted to go to the NFL. I thought I, like my aspirations would go all the way with it. I accrued a significant amount of injuries and like really dumb injuries. <clears throat> Two fractures in my spine. I was born with an extra disc and vertebrae. And I found that out after I got those fractures, turf toe, and I played through all of them. And any one of those are things that like, and two torn rotator cuffs. But any one of those would be something that if you were on scholarship, they'd redshirt you, surgic, do whatever to fix you surgically and give you, like you'd sit out a year, you'd redshirt. I didn't have that option. I was literally trying to prove myself every single day to just not get cut from the team. So it's like you get to the point where you realize you're hanging at, you're hanging with all some of the best players and you're only actually firing at about 60% of what you're capable of, maybe even less than that. But that was the coolest. Like I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought I wanted out of it. And what I ended up getting out of it was so much more. And Mm. I still continue to get like amazing things, great downloads uh, today even like that come from that time in my life is uh, it's interesting. The injury perspective, because I do, you do hear about people red turning and getting time to heal. I can only imagine. And I've had turf toe. When you said turf toe, I'm like, Oh God, Jesus, like playing on football on turf toe. I can't even imagine the pain. You Were you getting like shot up? What can you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> so I would, so they, they would take my toe, they take my toe down so they wrap it around my toe and then curl my toe. So my toe was bent in my shoe, essentially tape down the bottom of my foot, then tape around my foot. So my, my, my big toe would be like hooked into my shoe and then put steel insert, steel plate, shoe sole inserts into my shoe. So it like couldn't really bend. So I'm 260 pounds trying to run as fast as I can on my dominant foot and you can't bend it all. You have it's, every step you take is like a flat foot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was that. 
And so I never got shot up with anything. It was a lot of the tape. It was the tape a lot of time, the steel insert. And what that has actually become such a significant part of what we work with people on their psychology now is the compensations that I had to take place that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. And that you are literally so focused on achieving this external thing. You don't even, you don't go, how am I accomplishing it? You just go, I know I need to run from point A to point B as fast as I possibly can. I need to get to the guy that has the ball. But you're never checking in with yourself going, how am I accomplishing that? How, if I can't push off of this toe, how am I making it happen that my body's still doing the same thing? And most times you don't realize it for years. So whether it's psychologically, mentally, emotionally, physically, when we compensate, it's like you start strengthening this compensation pattern. So long after I had got done playing, like years later, I was like doing powerlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, all these things. I was training at a very high volume and it felt totally normal to me in my body. And one day I saw myself in the mirror and as, as I would squat, my hips would like completely shift off to the side. And as a total bro at that time, I wasn't aware. I was like, oh, I was like, my hips are tight. And I never understood and understand like the compensation patterns you can create throughout your entire body. I kept trying to treat a symptom instead of the root of it or the multiple mm-hmm. roots. And these injuries that I got taught me more than anything ever. And then matched that up with a few years later, I became really good friends with Ben Pakulski, who was, uh, he's considered to be like one of the greatest people in the sport of bodybuilding for the ability to build muscle, all of his knowledge around it. And he and I were training together one day at his gym in Florida. And he's got 25 inch arms, massive arms. He's sitting there with a, we're doing curls. I've got like a 50 and I'm like throwing it up like this. I look over and this dude is using like a 15 pound dumbbell, almost crying. I was like, all right, man, you got to tell me like, what is actually happening right now? Or like, are you just messing with me? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. And he's, so he's like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to do a curl. And I, I'm going to explain this because I think anybody that hears this is going to go, oh shit. Like and it, it directly factors into life. And like this moment when he taught me this, it was like time collapsed for me. I started realizing so many different physical injuries that I had, emotional pain that I had, different traumas that like and how you cope with it and all these things. Everything made so much sense to me. And he's like, where does your bicep, what are you trying to do? I said, a bicep curl. Where does your bicep originate? I'm like, up here. And he's like, wrong. Inside your chest. He's like, where is it insert? And down on your lower arm. So what's the purpose of a bicep? It's to bring your lower arm up closer to your body. All you're trying to do is shorten the distance from the insertion to the origin. That's all you're ever trying to do with any time you lift a weight. And he's like, you're trying to throw the weight up because you think that's what the stimulus, you train like an athlete. Everyone trains like an athlete because we learned it at a young age in high school. And then it just becomes this game of telephone where it becomes bastardized to the point where we become 30. And most people go, I'm not going to work out anymore. It just hurts. My elbows hurt. My knees hurt. Everything sucks. And it's because none of us are ever going, how am I moving the weight? We're only concerned with moving the weight and achieving like what everyone in the world sees to look mm-hmm. like we're strong, to how much can we bench? How much can we squat? All these things. So we train purely externally. And when you reverse engineer the entire process and you focus internally, how am I doing it? You end up attaining the external, but you go way beyond what you ever thought was possible with it all. Damn, I'm, I'm, I work out five days a week doing something, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm sitting here. Re, I'm thinking about my bicep curls as you're talking. I'm like going, I, thinking about the chest thing. I'm like, oh shit, I don't think I'm doing these right. <laughs> I'm going hey, to meet my watch, trainer watch, today at three. I've got a meeting with my trainer. Watch I'm going to ask my trainer time. that question. I'm going to test her ass and be like, yo, <laughs> tell me about bicep curls. Yeah. 
if you think about it, all you want to do is you want to be able to put your body in the most advantageous position. And you want to have the line of tension line up with the origin and the insertion. So if you think about it, most people do a bicep curl and they're trying to curl it up to here, not knowing that. And the weight's down here. So the weight has to transfer straight up, angle over, and like your mm -hmm. body's not built like that. So that's why. So we have all these different tension lines going through our body because most of us don't know how to be in touch with our bodies because our body is our subconscious mind and our body is mm -hmm. our emotional center. And think of the majority of people when you think about the gym, you think about men pretty much. And of course, women totally massive in the gym also. But it, I think the focus goes to men. And then you think of the masculine and you think most men don't want to be tapped into their emotion. Most men don't want to be tapped into their bodies. So it's mm -hmm. like to go into your body and be in touch with what is happening will get you to the results that you want. But there's some shit in the way, which is all of your emotional trauma, your baggage, the things that you like, like the darkness you've hidden from yourself in your life that you've compensated somehow to get away from it. Yeah, I want, we're going to go down that road. But yeah. back to the biceps. So I need to be curling less weight. Is, is that and concentrating more? I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you. I've been thinking about my biceps a lot lately. If your bicep attaches up here or yeah. it originates up here and then it goes out and it goes down, what you want to do, you want to get those two points in line. So how do you do that? You drop your shoulder down. You let your arm hang down. So now this is in line with, as it comes up, the tension, the, the weight is coming right up to the origin of the muscle. And, and the weight more will be less to do what you just described. Yes. Yeah. Way less weight. Because it's, he's like, cool. Now, he got me to do the motion of it. And then he put that 50-pound dumbbell in my hand. And I literally <laughs> couldn't move it. Yeah. And he's like, so... He's like, now pay attention, observe your ego. Uh, and it's like, think about that, observe your ego. And it's like, what are you actually trying to do? I'm trying to build my biceps. I'm trying to build a muscle. Are you trying to build a muscle? What stimulus have you attached yourself to that dictates whether or not you're building the muscle? Would you rather build the muscle, but it's not going to look as sexy on the surface, which I think factors into business, factors into relationships, factors into every aspect of our life. Most of us don't want to take that step back and let people think we're not as strong or we're something else. And it's like, what if you actually got the results? Wouldn't those just speak for themselves? You wouldn't have to actually say anything. You wouldn't have to prove anything. You could sustain that forever. You could go on forever. You could mm. scale. And it's whether it's with your body, whether it's in business. So many people are so focused on this arbitrary bottom line number that they want to make that they sacrifice the culture within their business. And they never end up getting there because you get accrue injuries, which is destroying the culture. And you never end up attaining. And then you can't scale. But when you put the people first that make up what your business is, you can scale forever. So it's like when you get really in touch with the internal processes, it ends up leading to the external results that you want, but it goes like massively beyond there. You don't even, you don't even know when you hit those because you're just like, oh, that's cool. You want to make a million dollars and you look at your bank account one day and you're focused on the internal process and you're like, holy shit, there's 10 million in there. You're hmm. like, cool, let's keep going. Talking with Grant Ziak. Do not pronounce the D Ziak. For those at home, that's uh, D-Z-I-A-K. We'll have that in the show notes. Something tells me, Grant, that we're talking, we're, we're getting into some of This Is Me, Project This Is Me. Um, I know yourself, baby, is what it sounds like. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's the, the whole idea of this is the term or the <laughs> phrase, this is me. It comes from the movie, The Greatest Showman. And it's like I was watching it or I was, I've seen, I'd seen the movie a bunch of times. And this is 2020. And I'd seen the movie a bunch of times, and but I never made these correlations. And 
I had my music playing and it was on some playlist and the playlist ended. And the next song that came up was This Is Me. Like it jumped to some genre and and I'm it's those little weird accidents that happen because I never would have picked that and listened to it. I wasn't like looking up show tunes and I'm, I couldn't be more grateful that it did. I was in the shower. I couldn't get out and change it. And I listened to it and I heard it and I heard all the words. And it's essentially, it's like saying, I'm not accepted the way I am. I have flaws. The world has shunned me, but I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to be me no matter what, but I have to own that. <clears throat> when I really started thinking about it, I'm like, that's what we all do is none of us, so many, I don't want to say none of us, but so many of us struggle to just look in the mirror and be like, yo, this is me, all of me, like it or hate it, take it or leave it. And it's because we just don't understand our own psychology. We don't understand the way our brains work. And when I started putting it all together, I'm like, man, what if people could literally look at themselves and be like, this is me, this is everything I am. Because I'd, I'd have clients reaching out, you'd be talking and that phrase kept coming up. They're like, how do you do this? I'm like, like this is me, this is just, I'm just being me. They're like, what does that mean? This is me. So it became our business. <laughs> I couldn't go any further in the episode today without talking about our favorite sponsor, Caldera Labs. This is premium men's skincare. And look, I need all the secret weapons I can get. I'm 46 this year, and these fine lines are starting to show. But the only thing keeping me fine is Caldera Labs. Skincare, got face lotion. And this body bar, let me tell you, it lathers up perfect. But in all seriousness, you have to rub in all the lotions and then you use this stuff called the good. The serum, this might be the serum of the gods, I'm telling you. Like, this stuff is awesome. It may, I never thought you could have the glow in the morning. I was like, everybody talks about that. I watched the, the women's commercials. They talk about this, the glow they get. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't happen. But no, it does happen with Caldera Labs. All natural ingredients. Perfect for the skin, and it makes you look younger. I mean, I feel at least five years younger. I mean, we're making no claims here, but I'm telling you, this is the best skincare I've ever used. I only promote what I support and what actually works. And if you use Rad Ryan, you'll get 20% off. If you go to calderalabs.com and you learn more about their products, I'm telling you, you will thank me for it. And look, if you're young, you need to get ahead of the game. So you avoid the wrinkles. If you're my age, you're just trying to hide a few. And if you're a little older, you're trying to hide a lot. And let me tell you, this will help. Make your skin feel great. Mine's never felt better, never looked better. And it's all thanks to Caldera Labs, the official skincare partner of the Radcast. What's the biggest blind spot for people? I think the bicep discussion was starting to get at it, I think. But you've worked with a lot of people. And I know you and your wife, Celeste, work together. We'll talk more about her and, and your journey together. But what are, what's, what are some of those common blind spots that, uh, that you see and you help people with? The, the number one that, that screws all of us is the things that we, are, we believe our reality is reality. Like we believe our reality is reality. We go, that never happened in my life but you don't realize that you actually subconsciously block that out. Your psyche block that out to protect you. Your brain only has four functions and people don't understand that. So many people think, well, I'm gonna think happy thoughts and I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna do these great things. Or they just sit there immobile going, maybe tomorrow I'll be happy. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel better. And it's your brain is not primed in any way to make you happy. And when people actually realize that, it's almost like you're trying to stumble into the life that you want. You're the only one who knows what that is. 
but people don't ever acknowledge what they want to themselves. So they don't ever create a vision. So nobody has a vision. And so we're going through life trying to attain all these things, but we don't even know what those things actually are. So maybe we actually have them in our life already, but we don't know how to acknowledge it because we've never defined what they are. We've never identified or made it tangible. So the number one thing that blocks people is they don't have a vision. They have no compelling vision beyond the life that they currently have. They don't realize they can think greater than what they're currently experiencing. And that'll start pulling that, those attributes into their life. Hmm. Interesting. Powerful. Yeah. Cause it's, we're so self-limiting, right? It, it's like, and we, but yet we think there's these things in the way and it's really big old fat M E in the way. Yeah. Me, <laughs> this is me in the well, way. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, also if you think about it, like when, okay. So if you, I always use this comparison for people. Have you ever seen CSI, the show? Yeah. Okay. So like when someone gets shot and they see that bullet coming at them and they slow the camera down and then at the last second, it spins around behind the bullet and it shows it enter the body and it shows it split through the skin and then it shows it hit a rib, fracture the rib and then ricochet off of that and hit a lung. And I, first time I saw that, I was like, shit, I had no idea. That's how the whole process happens. I just thought it goes in, creates a hole, you bleed out, die. And <clears throat> so when I saw that, I started using it as a comparison or as an analogy for when I was doing fitness coaching to help people understand that concept of like mind muscle connection. Like you actually understood what was happening in your body. Did you picture it down to that level? And what it evolved into is like, what if you could do that with your emotions, your triggers, your coping mechanisms, your defensiveness, all the things that you've created in your life and realize that you've set your life up in a way to protect yourself. And you don't even realize it. Like your body and your brain have been doing this for however old you are from day one. Your body and brain have been doing this without you consciously having to do anything. So that's why when you go to change something, that's conscious. You're saying, I'm consciously, uh, I want to change my diet couple days into it. And this is exactly why when you talk to a fitness coach, you're so amped up. You're like, hell yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I'm not going to get results for like six weeks. Awesome. I understand I can get there someday. And then a couple of days in you go, I can't do this. And it's because your subconscious is taking over and it goes, that's not how we eat. That's not how we live. That's not the way we move. We don't get up at this time. We don't operate this way. This is so uncomfortable. And Peter Sage says it perfectly is that it's like when we consciously choose to make a a, a shift in our life. It's like we're this super motivated mouse that just went to this weekend seminar of Tony Robbins. And we, we know exactly what we want. We're headed due north towards everything we want. We just don't realize we're on the back of an elephant that's headed south. And <laughs> so it's like you're going towards everything you want. You are moving towards it, but you're physically still going backwards. And everything around you, all the scenery is telling you're moving backwards still. And because of that, we get discouraged. And it's realizing that your conscious mind is trying to build a new wall. Your subconscious mind is trying to keep the wall that's always been in place. So you have to override it. Think about the times that you've driven 20, 30 minutes to work or the gym or wherever, 20, 30 minutes away. You do it enough times, you eventually get there one day and you go, shit, how'd I get here? So you mean to tell me that you drove a two-ton vehicle, made left-hand turns, right-hand turns, stopped, started, didn't hit any pedestrians, hopefully, stopped at lights. You responded to all these things and you don't even remember it? That just goes to show you do it enough times, your body's going to run on a habit. That's what your brain wants. It's the third primary function of your brain. What's energy efficiency. And it's so it's like the more patterns, the more programs we can put in place, and the less decisions we have to make. You go enough days of eating the burger and fries. You just pick the burger and fries because it's what you do. You don't even go, should I eat healthier today? I don't feel very good when I do that. Your body goes, this is what we do. So boom, you make it happen and you get this burger and fries. So to try to change any habit all the way down from the way you brush your teeth 
uh, the direction you drive to work, the clothes you wear, your style, the way you walk, the way you train. All you have to do is you have to give yourself the opportunity anywhere from 66 to 365 days to flush out the old system. And that's all it is. You're just implementing new. You don't have to go back and do all this deep work. You just have to understand. You just have to keep going. That's all it is. And eventually that becomes a new thing. Eventually your brain turns over and it goes, we're doing this enough. Let's just make it a pattern. And it erases the old program and it overwrites it with the new. Yeah, man. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, I was driving somewhere the other day and you were using that driving analogy. And I don't know if I blacked out or what, but I was like, it was like 15 minutes later and I had gotten there and I couldn't tell you like a single could had no memory of it. It was weird. And like, I was like, so zoned out, like straight ahead. I was thinking about work or something else. And I was like, did I run over anyone getting here? <laughs> like, but it's true though. How wired we I mean, are. You ever, you ever gotten into an argument with your significant other and it's like this, I, I'm not going to respond this way. I know what she's going to say. I'm not going to respond this way. And five minutes later, it's like World War III is happening and you're caught up in the middle of an argument and you're like, oh my God, how did we get here? It's because (laughs) your body goes into that cycle. It goes into that habitual state of protecting itself. You go, I know what she's going to say. I know what these things mean, but it's your body going, we know the pattern. You don't know the pattern. We assume we know everything. Think back to elementary school. How we'd wake up every day and say, oh my God, can I be sick today? Just a few more minutes. Man, if you had a day of a field trip, you'd be up like two hours early. Let's put on shorts today. We get it. Screw the rules. We get to do whatever we want. You were excited because there was something you knew was going to be different in your day. Most of us wake up and we put ourselves in the same habitual pattern day after day. We move our bodies the exact same way, which means we have the same thought pattern because all we're ever doing is matching a feeling to the thought. And once you realize that, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you don't want to do something, how much you don't want to move how much you don't want to change the style you're, uh, of the way you're operating in life. But you're like, I want something different. I want something better. You just have to do it. That's all it is. I wish there was a better solution. I wish there was like a magic pill. But I think that magic pill comes down to the formulation when you understand what is happening. The first time I got a tattoo, it sucked. And then I started learning what it is, like how the whole process happens. Next time I got a tattoo, I literally sat there and I watched it and I didn't feel any of the pain. I saw, I could see what was happening. And I think when we understand what is happening within our bodies, our brains, the chemistry, the chemicals, everything that's firing, it's like all of a sudden the pain is something you get to observe as opposed to be sucked into an experience. You get to utilize it and harness it. That's cool. I couldn't agree more. How do you work with people? What's the pro what's your, your approach with getting underneath all these things? We just have to talk to you. (laughs) We, we, we just have to talk to you because at the end of the day, we're all humans. And it's, if you have a pulse, and you know, I, I feel like I'm one, and I think the paradigm is shifting a lot around like entrepreneurship and all these things. Back in like 2015, 2016, around there, it's, I was like, man, I don't fit in with any of this. I don't align with any of the things they're saying. Find your niche. And this, and I'm like, I feel like my niche is everybody. And they're, everyone's like, you can't say that. You can't, you, it's too general. You're never going to get anybody. And I'm like, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but like what I'm doing, it's so different. Literally, if you have a nervous system, if you have a heartbeat and you have air in your lungs, like I can help you. And that was all I needed. Because if you think about it, when we're born, like we're all born the same way by and large. And it's at that moment, from that moment, everything else changes. It's just, it becomes the sequence of experiences that we have because we're all born with the same human needs. We all need to fulfill those needs. And all the experiences, the environments we grew up in, the things we're taught, shown, exposed to, 
dictates how we go about fulfilling those needs. And that is what makes us different. That's where we all go, we're so different. But if you come back to the pain point, we're all, we can all relate to each other around pain. The problem, and it's like the best way to see that is look at the break room in any office. Everyone wants to stand in there and bitch about everything together. And it's the idea of like misery loves company. But it's not realizing, because that's on the surface if we're just complaining. But if you go, I feel what you're feeling, I can actually give you advice. I can help you. And it's not about trying to fix everyone. It's literally helping everybody see their blind spots because we all have, I have blind spots because we all have our own emotional attachment and connection to justify whatever it is happening in our life. There's something I want more of right now that I'm just, I'm, my story is inaccurate as to what reality actually is, what's actually happening. And it drives me insane that I know this, but there's something I want more in life right now. And I'm telling myself a story somewhere in my life that's making me feel okay and comfortable with where I'm currently at and the fact that I haven't attained it yet. And there's more than likely something that I've gone way too long not attaining. That means I've actually started manipulating the truth of that actual story and it's become grander and grander in my head to justify why it's been longer and longer since I've had it. Yeah. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Better prove it. I know. I do love some of the essence of your approaches. Diving in versus detailed planning. The essence of doing the paralysis of overthinking. Hello. Don't we all? Mm -hmm. Paralysis from analysis. How How the hell do you get people out of their own head and into their own hands of doing shit? When they talk, you ask them questions. Literally, you just ask them point blank. Like yesterday, we had a client reaching out to us and she's like, I want to attain more in the gym. I was like, cool. What's that look like to you? I don't know. And it's like, okay, cool. Exactly. How would you know if you, maybe you're actually doing it right now. Maybe you're hitting the, the metric that you would want, but you want more. You're always going to want more. We're never going to actually attain our potential. Because the better you get, the more you're capable of, the further away your potential gets from you. So it's like every step of the way, none of us are ever going to be like, yeah, I'm here. I'm doing great. Because there's that part of us that knows we're capable of more because we just learn more. In order to get to wherever we are right now, we had to learn more than what we currently or what we once knew. So to get someone out of their head around that, all you do is you ask them questions. You make them break it down to themselves. And once they get it, it's like you ask them questions and they go, oh, I guess I don't know what that means. And so what does it mean to work out or, or productively train the muscle that you're trying to train in an adequate or an appropriate amount of time. I was like, what's an appropriate amount of time? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, so how do you know if you're going to do an appropriate amount of time? These are all just shit that we keep running in our head all the time. We don't, again, we don't identify the things in our life, the metrics that we're judging ourselves by. It's just this thought. Perfect example. This same girl, sorry to jump around, but this same girl has always complained, all the scale, the weight, whatever, all this stuff. Last week, she kept asking us, she's like, how do I test to see if my scale is accurate? <laughs> I gave her some ideas and suggestions. She kept, she, she's like, what are the odds that my scale is off? I'm like, what is she talking about? And of course, I was assuming like she was unhappy that it said more than what she wanted. And then we did one of our checking calls and she's like, according to my scale, I lost 14 pounds. And I was like, do you realize what you just said? You just said... I will accept it when it's not what I want it, when I, it's not what I don't want it to be. <laughs> but when it's what I want it to be, I can't accept that it's accurate and right because that is how fucked up it feels to have something mm. going the way I want it to in my life. So that means anytime you have things going the way you want them to, you reject them, you push them away and you don't ever acknowledge it. So that means all you're doing is building up this huge list of crap that you're incapable of, 
you're not doing anything to flush it out with all the things you're capable of and what you actually are attaining. And she just sat there and she was like, all right, next thing. Because in that little thing right there, she saw it, she felt, and that's enough because she's already come back to it. But yesterday she came back to that, talking about that. Because in that moment, I saw it in her eye. She experienced it. She felt it. She's like, oh my God, I do that. But it was so uncomfortable to realize what happened and how many things, just the same way I said, when I learned about that idea about a bicep curl, how many paradigms it broke down in my life. Mm-hmm. That's what you experience with people. So when you, there's going to be times you probably present things to your friends simply because you're not them. We can always see stuff in other people that we can't see in ourselves and that they can't see in themselves. That's why you can be cleaning all day and someone can walk in and go, hey, you missed a spot. You're like, oh my God, get out of here. I'm going to lose my shit on you. But it's because <laughs> they haven't been immersed in it. When we are immersed in it, which we are, we're all immersed in our own lives. Plus we have our own emotional attachment to everything. When you have that, you, like when you're inside the jar, you can't read the ingredients on the label. You can't see what's happening. It's like that whole idea. You can't see the forest through the trees. And that's essentially what we do. We reflect to you the parts that you can't see in yourself. It's like, we all have, this is what our story, this is what we tell the world. What we hear is all of this. And then we take it, we relay it back to you in such a way that is such truth to you. We're not making this up. You are telling, you are literally telling us, but you can't hear yourself saying these things. So when we piece it all back together, it'd be the difference between if, say your significant other walked in and goes, are you cheating on me? You go, no whether you are or not. No. They go, okay. But let's say you are. And they walk in. They go, were you cheating on me? This place at this time with this person. This was the music that was playing. This is what the temperature was like. This is how long you lasted. This is what they said. This is what you said. This is where you guys went to eat afterwards. And it's like your body would be so shocked with truth. And like you couldn't deny. Like our brains can perceive and and combat and justify like one to two, maybe three sometimes things, stories that aren't matching up with what we want to be. So ways we, we protect ourselves. When you get inundated much above three with three facts about what's actually happening in your life, you feel it. You literally feel it. Like we pierce your subconscious and you're, you experience it. And it becomes such a formulation that whether you want it or not, people are able to go, oh my God, I do, I do want this. That is really what's happening to me. How I've never been able to see it that way. But that's not even the magic part. That's just, that interrupts your operating pattern. That just stops the process of everything that normally happens. That's all you ever have to do is if you can interrupt someone's operating pattern, their thought process that they typically always have, that thing where it goes, I know what this is going to be. So what we do is we throw that, what I call it earlier, like uh, a field trip. It's like we're throwing that field trip into your day where you go, wait, this is something so different than what I've experienced before. I'm scared shitless of it, but it's different. And because it's different, it's also exciting. And it takes a while, but eventually we get excited enough. We actually want to learn more and more about it because we go, I want to know what's on the other side of that because I keep doing the same things over and over here, but I want to see what happens. Maybe it's over there. And then what Celeste and I do is we create that safe space and not safe space in the way I think that that term is so overused today. It's like literally like we make you feel so protected between the two of us that we just become an extension of you. Instead of like coach where you have to check in with us and report to us and do your homework, it's like, we are an extension of you. We always say everything we do from the moment we, we sign on together is, it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Like everything is something. So every move, every single thing that a client does is data to us. If they answer a call on time, if they don't show up to a call, if they're constantly putting off like meeting with us, um, the way they talk, the way they respond. So we're never reprimanding anyone. We're not like, oh, you have to respect us and talk to us like this because everything is something to us. 
And because at the end of the day, just going back to we're all human. So the way you operate, no matter what it is, it's like we can reflect that to you. And we'll just, the more you see that over and over, the more you get used to that, the more you start craving it because you start realizing I get to shift things in my life. I can make changes. I'm not limited and I'm not stuck to just what I've always experienced. I Maybe there's more. And now I know there's more. And now I know I actually have a path to get there. Grant, I'm freaking, I'm blown away. I know we're, I'm picking mental notes here <laughs> and everybody's listening can go follow Grant uh, on Instagram and see how ripped he is. So what, how do we be like Mike? How do we be like Grant? <laughs> what's your day? What's some of your, we like to always ask everybody that comes on some of their tips and tricks, like in overall wellness, like their daily wellness routines. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm like, we've been on the road for the last five weeks. So we've, <laughs> but, but even to that, we've incorporated it in. We've made it work for us. No matter what, we always make sure we, I guess the day, the next day for us starts the night before. So if that means we have to not go out to dinners, if that means we have to not do cool, fun stuff with our team and stuff that we, when we're doing, traveling around doing these events, and <clears throat> that's what it means. Because if we're going to ensure that we're getting at least seven hours of sleep, something we both put off so massively so long in our life. And I did that for a long time because I thought like depriving myself of sleep made me a little bit miserable. And the more miserable I am, I equated that to discipline. And I equated discipline to success. And then something funny happened is all of a sudden I realized like that doesn't mean shit. It makes no difference what time you wake up. It's all about what you're doing with the time that you're awake. So I was like, what if there's actually something that's even stronger than discipline? And it's self-awareness. It's because awareness will tell you what your discipline needs to be. Sometimes you need to not go to the gym. If you are injured, but you need to have the awareness to be able to talk to yourself and be like, what's going to be the biggest benefit for me today? Now, don't get me wrong. The majority of the days, it's going to be get your ass up and go to the gym. It's going to be have that difficult conversation. It's going to be don't eat that extra Twinkie. But sometimes it's going to be you need to nurture, or, uh, nurture yourself. You need to give yourself some space. You need to give yourself some time. You need to not go to the gym today. You need to be a little bit easier on yourself. I know you didn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You actually had a very unrealistic expectation, which is great but you didn't hit it because you didn't hit it doesn't mean you suck you're actually so much further along than you would have been without that expectation so <clears throat> it's this idea that you can come back to those things so we like to set our days up to be able to do that so it starts with the going to bed the night before the the kind of sleep we get we have uh, multiple products from the company that we collaborate with we, we love it's all about health wellness and optimizing everything you are as a human then we'll get up at like five the very first thing we do is we'll chug a glass of salt water so the number one reason why we're all dehydrated all the time is even if we drink a lot of water, I used to drink like two gallons of water a day and I'd still be like, like parched throughout the day. And it's because the more water you drink, you're actually flushing out a lot of nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. And then I started learning about adding sodium to your water. And at first it sounded absolutely disgusting. And the first couple of times I tried it, I was like, there's no way to do this on a regular <laughs> basis. And now I literally don't, we put, so we'll buy like a, a 20 pound bag of pink Himalayan sea salt rocks. Whoops, my bad. From... Amazon. You get them and you put them in a big mason jar. You fill it up with water and you let it sit for about 24 hours. And that creates a really nice solution. And then you just take a tablespoon of that, put it with 32 ounces of water, chug that down. And I don't have headaches anymore. I don't have migraines. And I never feel dehydrated for anything. So we do that. We go for a walk. We go on our separate walks to give ourselves a little bit of time. We have some, <clears throat> we each listen to some different stuff, but Usually it's something based in whatever it is we're focusing on right then. Some like a lot of good entrainment stuff where you have like the multiple binaural beats in either ear. The whole first 20 minutes of our day is all setting ourselves up for what our entire day is going to be like. 
because those first 20 minutes, your brain's still firing in theta, which is like a sponge. So if you wake up and you roll over and the first thing you do is you look at your phone and you start answering text messages and emails, and you're panicked. It's like, what? Well, I have a business. I don't give a shit. I have a business too. We all have businesses. We all have obligations and things. But what if you started making your first obligation be you? your number one priority be you because you are what the rest of the world's going to get to experience. So if you're picking up that phone because you go, I have a responsibility to people, the more people you have a responsibility to should be that much more of a reflection that you have a responsibility to yourself. And when you take care of yourself, you can fulfill those responsibilities to everybody else instead of feeling like you're just depleted and empty at the end of the day. So we wake up, hydrate, go for a walk, take take whatever time we want. And usually, so if we get up at five, usually by about 7, 30, 8 o'clock, we'll head to the gym. We go ahead and work out together work out, we come home, eat, and then we just go about our day. We start client calls at, client calls or onboarding calls at 11 a.m. every day. And then we just, it, once a week, we have a live weekly group call that we do. It's a like a coaching program that we have where we do an hour long, where we take whatever is prevalent with all of our clients. And we wanted to create something that was more budget friendly to people that maybe couldn't afford a private coaching. So whether there's one person on, whether there's 300 people on, it's the same output from us. And it's really cool. It's created this really awesome community and these people are showing up, supporting each other, sharing their wins, their losses, all these things. So yeah, and it's like the rest of the time we're creating content, we're, we're updating stuff, upgrading, whether it's our platforms, whatever it is. And, but it's just us living our life. And I know that sounds so vague, but it's, that's literally why it's called This Is Me. It's like the more I work on myself, like we do our best work when we're doing the work. Like you do your best work in your business when you are doing that same work on yourself, whatever that might look like, because you're experiencing it from your own point of view, which means you can integrate it that much easier to help somebody else. Love it. I lo- hey, that saltwater trick. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sitting there going, I'm thinking, I don't know if I could do that either, but that's interesting. Hey, I just... I just <laughs> ordered some. I was told to get the Celtic sea salt. I had another friend... Yeah. To- Pretty much say the same thing. And I, I do drink a lot of those LMNT electrolyte drinks. And I've noticed even with those, I just feel better yeah. overall. You're putting you're putting those electrolytes back into your body. Whereas when we just drink just water, and I'm not saying there's anything bad about just drinking just water, but you right. the more you drink, you're gonna end up flushing that out. I love it. Yeah, I feel like my my like you said, my Nausea, headaches, migraines is very far and few in between now since I've started implementing that into my protocol. Oh, yeah, man. It's awesome. It's, it's really cool when you can start figuring out that there's always a better way to live, no matter what it is. And it's like whether it is adjusting the water you drink, whether it's adjusting right. the way you sleep, whether it's adjusting the time you get up, the, the, the order, the sequence you do things in. And I think... So many of us so often are looking for the big, like overwhelming fall down, throw your preacher hands in the air, like praise Jesus Mm -hmm. moment of everything in order to make any difference in our lives. But it's like our life is like literally made up of millions of tiny moments. You're made up of millions of little processes that we do all day long. So if you start adjusting some of those, you'll get a completely different result. And the more of the result you get, the more you're willing to start adjusting a little bit more. So instead of trying to like take it all on at once, make one small adjustment. And there's so many, I get it. There's people out there that'll be like, don't be a man, take it all on, do all this shit. And I'm like, that's great. That's cool. I understand that shit also. I understand that, but there's a better way. There's a much better way to live. And I, I love like all the memes, all the motivational stuff that's out there, but it's not real. To some extent, it is not real. You can't sustain that. The average person cannot sustain that. 
You can sit there and like, oh, do you want to be average? And it's like, no, it's the ability to take the average person, help them optimize themselves to such a degree that they become superhuman. They become limitless mm-hmm. with whatever is capable within their own life. Man, I feel like we just scratched the service grant, but we got to let you go. And I, where can everybody keep up with what you guys are doing if they want to get in touch? We'll have it all in the show notes and maybe we'll have a part two here because I feel like we've just scratched the surface of a lot of the insights and knowledge you have, but maybe give everybody some of those links. Yeah, man, I'd be so down for that. So the best way to interact, if you want to interact with me, I'll answer the DMs all day long. Slide into the DMs. Just don't let Celeste see that. If your girl <laughs> don't say anything inappropriate, let's get cheap. We laugh at that. We laugh at that stuff. She has, she, she was in, she was a professional wrestler for a while at WWE. And so she gets some fun ones. And I'm like, sure. And like, I, lo- I, love I love messing with those people. But uh, no, so just Grant Ziak, my first and last name on Instagram, shoot me a DM. Tell me you, you heard this podcast, whatever it is, however you came across me. And I love interacting. I love talking. I'm not one of those people that as soon as you, you reach out, I'm like, here's my sales. Here's my programs. This is what it is. If you're interested in that, cool. You can tell me that. We can talk about that. But at the end of the day, we're all humans. So there or this is me.live if you want to check out what we do. Love it, brother. Really appreciate all of your energy and insights and everything that you're doing and and for coming on the show. Dude, thank you guys so much for having me on. Of course. Appreciate you, brother. All right, guys. We appreciate everyone. You're to find us, thevacaypodcast.com. We'll have all the show notes from today. You can also find Chris Hansen and myself on Instagram anytime. We also answer the DMs, and I like to laugh at all the girls hitting on Chris all the time. (laughs) So go give him some love. He has a really great dog named Storm. (laughs) For Chris Hansen in Miami, I'm Ryan Alford. We'll see you next time on the Vacay Podcast. 